fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody, and welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast, Rebel News, and then talk about the evil Chicoms with my friend, Caitlin, although Caitlin is not here right now today. Caitlin hasn't been feeling well, and so we've been uh, severely delayed in our schedule, which is why I've decided to record this episode on my own, and then we should be hopefully catching up within the next week, and then uh, everything will be great. She's fine, uh, so don't worry too much about her health, although I guess worry the correct man. <laughs> I don't know. She's doing all right, and so that's good, and so we should be able to uh, record again soon. Uh, that being said, I have been doing the Twitch streams as well, and I want to remind people that I have been doing that. So they've been happening every Friday at 8 p.m. The one we just recorded was on Kian Bexty's conspiracy theory that Dominion voting systems is actually connected with uh, George Soros through a Canadian building where they both uh, reside, apparently. And then, therefore, that's why election fraud exists. So if you think that's a cool topic to get into, we play the whole video that Kian makes, including the fact that he harasses people on the street. And then uh, we uh, mock it and point out why he's completely full of shit. So if that's your thing, you can go check that out. We also have it on our YouTube channel as well. Both of those would be under Imperial News. I think the Twitch is Imperial News with a Z rather than an S. So if you want to go check that out, uh, you can search for that. Or I think you can find the links in the episode description. So uh, yeah, enjoy that. And for now, we'll, we'll get into the show. This is the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on The Rebel from November 9th to November 13th. Ezra claims that unlike Democrats, who were upset last election, the Republicans are allowed to be upset because this election was stolen from them. Ezra does not provide any theory or evidence as to how it was stolen, but trust him, it was totally stolen. Ezra plays a clip from a video released by the World Economic Forum in Davos, titled, You Will Own Nothing and Be Happy. The video seems to be arguing for a sharing economy, which is meant to lower the world's carbon footprint. Whether this is a good idea or not, Ezra seems to think this is a globalist plot to destroy private property and enslave us all. Now, this week we're not going to go into too much detail, about this clip because the entirety of the next week is all dedicated to this and this whole notion of a great reset. So we'll cover that in our next episode. Later in the week, David Menzies harasses Whole Food employees over their company's decision to ban poppy wearing for staff. The company likely did this because they didn't want to cause conflict between employees, but Ezra claims the ban is because Whole Foods hates Canada and its people. Whole Foods ended up reversing the ban, causing tears of freedom to rain from the sky. Every Remembrance Day, Ezra reads a poem by Rudyard Kipling, which is fitting that Ezra's favorite poem to remember war is by an author who promoted British imperialism. So, great, Ezra. Ezra is happy that a pub in the UK banned a Tory MP for implementing a COVID curfew. 
Ezra doesn't mention that this trend started initially when pubs started banning Tory MPs after they cancelled a program offering meals to kids. Of course, Ezra doesn't seem to care about the kids having something to eat, but he definitely hates anything that has to do with a COVID lockdown because Ezra seems to love the idea of a global pandemic infecting more people, but really does not care about the welfare of kids. On Friday's episode, John Carpe of the Justice Center of Constitutional Freedoms claims that communism is where the government tells you that you are not allowed to hang out with your friends. We've got Manitoba is under severe lockdown. Churches, uh, synagogues, mosques closed. It's illegal to have uh, friends over for dinner. Toronto is under a new lockdown. Uh, in Quebec, you've got police checks between different sectors of Montreal. I mean, it's like Berlin in 1946. Yeah. You know, you're le leaving the American sector, entering the Soviet sector. Uh, even even in Alberta, uh, there's there's dark clouds of uh, you know making it illegal to have friends over to your house, which I I hate to say it, but that is what uh, living under communism is like when the government tells you that you're not allowed to hang out with your friends. And that is the week. On Friday the 13th, Ezra Levant didn't just appear on InfoWars, but took over for Alex Jones and hosted the whole show for roughly 30 minutes. All right, Ezra Levant, an amazing patriot up in Canada, was scheduled to be on this this hour, and I appreciate him coming on late because we got behind. We're going to go over the content covered on the show because I think it was a concise package of the most important theories Ezra is currently working with when it comes to the COVID pandemic and what the government is uh, doing about it. Before Alex gave the show to Ezra, they had to talk about two things. The election in China. Alex begins by saying, But if he's a Chinese agent, Biden, his son, we heard this whole time, if you're compromised, you can't be president. Well, Russiagate was made up, but Chinagate, wow, are they really going to put this doddering, crazy, compromised puppet that brags that he got you know, a billion bucks to Ukraine to drop investigations on his son. I mean, this just smells like a nightmare to me. This is obviously absurd to me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I could understand why someone like Alex Jones wants to perpetuate this notion that Russiagate was fake. And it frustrates me that some on the left still seem to think that there was nothing to Russiagate. There clearly was aspects of the Trump administration that involved itself uh, with oligarchs and uh, members within the Putin regime, and whether it reached the level of uh, actual conspiracy is one thing. Did it need to be investigated? Sure. I, I hate this idea of whataboutism, which states that, like, well, America does this uh, in other elections. I mean, just look at Bolivia or Venezuela. Still doesn't make it right when another government does it to America, Governments everywhere should just not be doing this uh, and let democracy happen. That being said, investigations did happen. Some charges were made. I mean, Michael Flynn was found guilty. Not only was he found guilty, he admitted guilt in a court of law, only for him to backtrack on his admission of guilt, and then for Trump uh, just recently pardoned him. So clearly there was stuff going on. Clearly there were arrests made. So what is this China Gate thing? China Gate is the whole bullshit about Hunter Biden and his laptop. Now, the one thing that's obviously kind of silly about this is 
This occurred when Joe Biden was no longer the vice president. And there might be issues of nepotism here that Hunter Biden, uh, Joe Biden's son, somehow benefited off the fact that his dad was a vice president. And therefore, the company, uh, many companies might wanted to have uh, brought Hunter Biden in such that they could use the, the clout there uh, for some profiteering purposes. That being said, there's no evidence that there was any corrupt intent here with Biden. There's no reason to think that China somehow controls Biden or some of this bullshit. But this is where they're going with it, that somehow this laptop, which, again, they never revealed any of the information that was on the laptop. Somehow this laptop means that Joe Biden is secretly invested in uh, China in a nefarious way. Now, again, this just feeds into their irrational anti-China narrative. And I say it's irrational because I think you can be anti-China, but you, the way they go about their anti-China uh, narrative is that China is engaged in a whole bunch of things that I don't think there's any evidence for. And even w w some of the policies that they critique of the Chinese government, I think, evades all the, <laughs> the real things they do. So like the, the, the social credit program, which I think is something we're going to get into uh, further on in this episode... It has some issues to it. I'm not trying to say here that we should just say it's a, a great program, but it's not as bad as like, or, or there's parallels with other programs that we have. I think the difference is the problem with it is it's authoritarian implementation within the, the Chinese state. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about all that, but the point is they're trying to make this big deal with China Gate. And largely I think it's because of the whole portion of that movement that's being pushed by Steve Bannon and uh, Miles Kwok, uh, who again was a, a member of the, the Chinese regime who fled and is now a reactionary, spend, uh, working with Steve Bannon to promote uh, anti-Chinese rhetoric. So I think this is being pushed and it, it, it's their narrative. They want to reignite a kind of new Cold War with China and possibly want to go to war with them and i think that's a terrible fucking idea but that's the way it is so the, of course they're gonna they're gonna highlight that the next thing uh that they talk about is this idea that somehow if biden wins this means that ilhan omar will be in charge of the democrats and i love the fact that they always go to ilhan omar Although I would argue someone like AOC has a bigger sort of spotlight in terms of uh, media recognition. Though, in my personal opinion, I prefer Ilhan Omar. I think she's amazing. I love the work that she's doing. The point being is I don't think AOC or Ilhan Omar are going to be in charge of a Biden administration. But it's clear that even though there's this obvious infighting that's occurring out in the public sphere uh, between these more left-wing Democrats and the more centrist Democrats they're still going to try to tie Biden to the more left-wing elements because, of course, you know, the communist tentacles have seeped their way in through all of the American administration, apparently. At one point, I wanted to highlight this just because of how absurd it is. Again, and, and this is another connection with the Ilhan Omar stuff. So it's not just her left-wingness, but it's also the uh, veneer of Muslimness that they can use her to sort of like taint the whole party. So at one point, Alex says that behind Biden is the Muslim Brotherhood and the Chai Coms, of course, because it's the Muslims and uh, the Chinese. He also says the Russians, which again, 
I don't know. It's just absurd, <laughs> especially when the uh, Alex has been uh, on Russia Today and has his own connections with the Russians through uh, Roger Stones. But anyways, we'll just say that uh, Alex Jones points out that behind Biden is the Muslim Brotherhood, the Chai Coms, and the Russians. And while he's saying this, they have a picture of George Soros on the screen looking all evil. And Alex says, I totally agree with you. He's the curtain. And behind the scenes is Obama, is Hillary, is the Muslim Brotherhood, is the Chicoms, is the Russians. I mean, this is just open for business. They're, 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 I mean, this is, this is incredible. It's like Biden will be the pimp, and then we are the person that gets raped here. They're immediately going to like this very hyperbolic rhetoric to paint Joe Biden as this evil human that's going to create this nefarious plot, working with the Muslims, working with the Chinese. And let's be honest, I'm critical of Joe Biden. But I don't think that that's uh, what Joe Biden is going to be about. I think Joe Biden is more likely going to kowtow to uh, the corporations, uh, mainly uh, American corporations. And this is going to lead to a further uh, economic divide in the country. I I'd love to see him moderate those kind of views, but that's uh, what I suspect is going to happen. Ezra then says that the reason why lobbyists, they just love Joe Biden and they love Joe Biden over Trump, is that you couldn't tempt Trump with money or women. With Trump, the, one of the reasons the deep state hated him was not so much that they disagreed with him, but they didn't know how to connect with him, how to schmooze him, how to bend his arm. He didn't have access points. He didn't have pressure points. You couldn't tempt him with a sexy woman, with money, with influence, celebrity power. He already had all those things, so he was immune to the various traps that Hunter Biden ran into. Ignoring the fact that the women aspect of that is completely absurd, uh, we know that... Uh, Trump engaged in extramarital relations with Stormy Daniels, for example, but also, uh, I can't remember the, the first one. There was another one who was a, a play, Playboy model, I believe. Uh, Karen McDougal? I think that's right. Either way, Trump has been with uh, women <laughs> outside of the bounds of his marriage and quite possibly could be tempted by them in ways that I don't, like, Joe Biden, I've never heard any... Uh, any claim that since he's been marriage that he's been uh, willing to to uh, go outside of those bounds. Anyways, so it's like weird that they, they say this about Trump when it's like all the evidence would say otherwise. But of course, they live in their own sort of like bubble here. Now, the thing about like lobbyists in the bubble, like definitely Joe Biden is going to be persuaded by lobbyists. I have no doubt that that's the case. It's worrying, and the left needs to stay on top of Joe Biden. That being said, the the idea that they can think that somehow Trump isn't persuaded by money is insane. His whole government was giving, uh, was listening to certain interests that would benefit him and his properties. Like he had so much leverage, uh, or, or other people had so much leverage over him that he caved to them so easily. And, and it was ways in order to like bolster his own uh, businesses that were themselves not succeeding, right? So he had hotels in all these different countries and it allowed the countries to have leverage over him. So this whole notion is just insane, but it's, it's amazing that they can just say that to their audience and just get away with it without having to critically reflect on the fact that that's just an absurd thing to say. And of course, it comes out of Ezra just like it's an obvious fact.
Alex Jones then ends his segment with Ezra by calling Canada the epicenter of the lockdowns. I think it's sad, and I'm a Canadian, and I'm worried about the effect on our country because Absolutely. as America Ezra goes... is the founder of Rebel Media. I'll tell you all about it. I'm going to introduce him next segment. He takes over. They've also got draconian lockdowns around the world, and Canada's the epicenter coming here next. I don't know why that's the case, but I guess it's the case, according to Alex. So uh, even though currently in our government we are not locking things down uh, to the detriment of our population, I think. I'm not a an ep epidemiologist myself, but I think we should lock down probably right now as cases continue to skyrocket and deaths continue to uh, rise. I think maybe lockdowns are a good idea. Recently, Toronto did, in fact, lock down, but Toronto's one place. Uh, even locally, we have deaths that are increasing and hospitalizations that are increasing. And so uh, I was just outside the other day, and there was like lineups for Best Buy during Black Friday sales. And people in restaurants with their masks off, exposing themselves to service workers. So I wish we were at the epicenter of the lockdowns, I guess I want to say. If you look at somewhere like Australia, which really did lock down. I mean, if you want to call any place the epicenter of a lockdown, Australia is a good place to go. And they've largely dealt with this thing to the extent uh, that their numbers are way, way down compared to everywhere else. And so congratulations, Australia, for doing a good job by locking down while we who refuse to lock down continue to have deaths. So great. Now that Alex is done, he tosses the show over to Ezra, who then immediately, immediately when Ezra gets in charge of the show, starts to pitch his book, which is called The China Virus. My pleasure. Uh, great to be in the chair. Thanks for the trust that your invitation shows for me. Hello to Alex's viewers around the world. I'm based here in Canada with rebelnews.com, but we deeply believe in freedom and we believe in the success of the United States. Although we're proud Canadians, we understand that America is the bulwark of liberty against so many forces of tyranny, including from China. And if I may, Alex just a moment ago mentioned my book, China Virus. Um, that book was not controversial. There's a ton of footnotes in it. Really, everything there was confirmed by legacy media, mainstream media. There were no speculative theories in it. But because it contradicted quote, official sources. It was banned by Amazon.com, which is the number one bookstore in the world. Of course, he has to say it was banned twice by Amazon because you need a victim narrative. He really needs you to know that the uh, companies, the left-wing Jeff Bezos companies are coming to, to censor him. So you need to go out and buy the book before it gets censored again. I want to pick up on this because I think there's an interesting fact in regards to Ezra's development over time, in regards to the COVID virus, and his silly book, The China Virus. Ezra was clear about the virus back on March 31st. We played a clip on one of the live streams I did where Ezra just comes right out and says that uh, he talks about asymptomaticity. So if for those we've talked about it on the show before, the virus spreads through asymptomatic people. So the reason why you wear a mask is not just to protect yourself from breathing in stuff, but is mostly from the fact that you could be infected with the virus. You might not be showing any symptoms. And if you don't have a mask on, you're more likely to shoot the virus into the air. So even with a mask on, like a cloth, double-sided cloth mask, 
Some particulate, some virus might get into the air as you talk, but a lot of it will be prevented and therefore the viral load in the air won't be sufficient enough to affect other people, infect other people. And here's the thing is, Ezra all the way back in March knew about this, agreed with it. That's why he was pro-mask, even though the government itself did not uh, immediately come out on the pro-mask side. And so you it was clear that Ezra understood this virus, clear that he understood the health implications, and was on the right side back in March. Hang on. So put a mask on someone with symptoms... Okay, good idea. But the whole thing about this virus, why it's spreading so quickly, is that many people have no symptoms. They are asymptomatic, as they say, for up to two weeks after they get the virus. So they can seem very healthy, even though they're full of the virus, for up to two weeks. And, and while they're healthy, um, healthy-looking, but they actually have the virus, they're breathing on everyone for two weeks. Of course, put a mask on if you have the symptoms. But the whole point is that many people are carrying the virus without symptoms. That's why Taiwan makes everyone wear masks all the time. I then noticed that David Menzies started to attend in Toronto these anti-lockdown uh, slash anti-mask events. And these were occurring sometime in April. And eventually those started to like build up and become uh, things. And then David Menzies stopped wearing a mask when he would attend these protests. And it became a thing and it took off. Now, here's the thing. This China virus book was released in June. So you could tell in March, the virus is real. China did this. It's a bad thing. Then in April, uh, they start to moderate. Then in June, this book is released. But if you read the book, uh, at least the excerpts that I've seen, it's clear that in the book, it's like it's the March version of Ezra even though they've already moved on from the virus. And that's weird to me that you would still continue to pitch this book that is arguing that the virus is real and that the government failed uh, in terms of like masking and all this. It's weird for you to pitch that book still, considering that you've already moved on from that argument and are now trying to sell masks in your stores that say that masks are useless, which is something that Ezra is doing right now. So Ezra wants you to buy the China virus, even though he pretty much disagrees with the content of the book now, although he will never say that to you, right? I guess Ezra has always been right, even though it took him only a few months to move off of this idea. It is interesting to, to note that on Alex's show, Ezra never says that the pandemic is over. But on, a, on his own show, on the 12th even, uh, he and John Carpe were both arguing that not only was the pandemic over and that there is no second death wave, but that any increased deaths in Quebec are due to an increase of do not resuscitate forms because Quebec is pro-euthanasia. They offer no evidence that this is the case. They just state that, that for some reason, Quebec in particular is more pro-euthanasia. Therefore, they're going to have more uh, do not resuscitate forms. Therefore, uh, rather than treating people with COVID, they're just killing them, apparently. This is the argument. I don't think there's any truth to it. But the idea is that there are no death increases. It's just this like weird euthanasia thing, even though the death increases are happen happening everywhere across uh, the country. And it's clearly not what it was even a month ago when Ezra was saying this whole thing is over. Now we get into the meat of, of Ezra's time on the show. 
Ezra's main plot as host is to discuss Canada's plan to restrict liberty during COVID. So he wants to convey to Alex's audience what the Canadian government is doing to like clamp down on us. Now, the one thing that he does immediately is play this Teresa Tam video. And we've talked about it on the show before, but Ezra really loves this clip. I don't talk about it because like, you know, we talked about it once, but he plays this video almost every single time, like every single time he talks about COVID and he plays it almost once or twice every week on his show. And this is his video that Teresa Tam did years ago before she was even the Minister of Health. And in the video, it's talking about a future in which some sort of pandemic happens. And they ask her a hypothetical, which is like, what do you, what does the government do if people are refusing some of uh, the things like a mask mandate or vaccine vaccination? And Teresa Tam talks about how we might have to clamp down on certain things. Uh, we might have to impose lockdowns. We might have to, uh, in some sense, restrict people's movements because we have a health crisis on our hands. I think the public has to know this is one of the worst case scenarios in terms of an infectious disease outbreak in that their cooperation is sought. If there are people who are non-compliant, there are definitely uh, laws and, and public health um, powers that can quarantine people in mandatory settings. It's potential you could track people, put bracelets on their uh, arms, have police and other setups to ensure quarantine is undertaken. Now, it was a hypothetical, but of course, Ezra seems to think that this was a premonition. And he doesn't outright say that it was like a plan in motion. But the idea is that the ideas were there and they were like ready to implement. Now, the, on Alex's show was actually the first time that Ezra speculates. It's almost like that was... A, a plan as opposed to a hypothesis. Meaning that almost as if right from the get-go, they were planning to restrain our freedoms and like quarantine us right away. Even though, again, the governments have been very slow to implement any of these policies. Showing that like, there's a tension here, <laughs> you know? Teresa Tam arguably is saying like, look, these are the things we need to do. And even people within her own administration are not listening to her because there's other tensions that exist here. For example, corporate tensions, because corporations and other businesses don't want their businesses to close. And so the, it's, not, it's not to say that the only people at the table are the ones who are saying, we need to care first and foremost about public health. That's not happening, right? So all this idea that somehow this is a plan that we're going to take over uh, Canada and turn us into some sort of communist state by quarantining us, none of it has come true yet. But apparently it was a plan in the working by Theresa Tam, and she gave it all away a few years before the pandemic hit. The next line of attack is this idea of COVID camps. Right. So not only was it a plan hype and a, not just a hypothesis, they're going to implement this whole thing and restrict our freedoms. So they go on to this idea about COVID camps, which, again, is like the Alex Jones theory of FEMA camps. For those who don't uh, know, who aren't uh, steeped in the conspiracy literature, Alex Jones and Infowars believed that due to certain like hurricanes that occurred under the Obama administration, 
And I think it's the, the theory sort of like started because of Hurricane Katrina. But like further on, the idea was Obama was going to implement some sort of FEMA protocol, which is their emergency response sort of like uh, government organization. And it was going to create these camps after a hurricane and then just start like hoarding and quarantining and basically prisoning uh, people. So now Ezra is on his own sort of conspiracy theory in the same light, which is this idea of COVID camps. And he plays a clip of Hillier, uh, Randy Hillier, who's an MPP, who used to be a part of the Progressive Conservative Party until he was booted. And he was booted because he said some disparaging, disparaging things about uh, children with autism. Hillary argues that the, uh, the camps are going to be used to obtain non-COVID people, even though the government keeps on like basically laughing at him about this. But Randy Hillier, because of this, is now being boosted by Ezra and all these anti-masks anti-mask supporters because they think he's this radical who's standing up against uh, the government who's going to create these camps and, and round us all up. There, again, there's no evidence. But here's the thing. So Ezra then goes, here's my evidence for why they are going to create COVID camps. And he pulls up this thing that's called a request for information sheet. So what happened was the government of Canada sent out these requests for information. And what it was, was basically a listing of, of, two companies through some sort of compensation to go in the event that this thing gets out of hand, do you have facilities available that the government could then utilize to help treat COVID patients? So either store supplies or treat patients or quarantine people who say are entering the country. So Ezra looks on the sheet and goes down and you see a line where it says something along the, the, the effect of, these camps will be set up or these buildings will be set up to quarantine people for COVID-related reasons. And then it says, or other requirements. And Ezra hyper-focuses on this thing that says, or other requirements, and is panicking saying, they could just round us up for no reason. It says other requirements. What could that mean? And the thing is, if you scroll up the page, I mean, even on Alex Jones's show, so while he's projecting the information on the screen, you can read the top section of this uh, request for information sheet, and it says objectives. And in the objective segments, it specifies what other requirements are, and it's other COVID-related requirements. In other words, maybe you might need a facility to store things like a vaccine, or store things like masks, or PPE. So the idea that somehow in this thing, it's going to mandate that we just round up people for non-COVID reasons is insane. It's not in there. Yet what they do, what they always do is they go through the thing, find something that sounds nefarious and uses that to uh, fearmonger. When of course it's just casual language use in, in a government document, because it's like we already mentioned that the other requirements are COVID related. We don't need to uh, re-specify what we meant in the next section of the document, right? I just want to read one sentence from uh, about two thirds of the way down. The sentence says, over time, the use of the designated quarantine sites, DQS, may be temporarily discontinued until needed again by the government of Canada or may be used for other requirements. But of course, they find these shorthand things and then they want to fearmonger about it. So this is the new thing. We got, we're going to have COVID camps, uh, according to Ezra. 
Ezra is also freaked out because it says that we might need to do this for one to two years. So these could be just for people who are coming in from a foreign country and have to quarantine for a couple of weeks, or they could be used for other requirements. Let me read just one more sentence in, uh, before we go to a break. In anticipation of a possible continued need for quarantine sites over the next one to two years. So these quarantine sites aren't temporary. They could be here for years to come. I mean, it's almost been one year already. It doesn't surprise, surprise me that the government is like has the foresight to go, you know, we don't know if the vaccines are going to be successful. We don't even know if uh, when we get a vaccine, what the buffer room is going to be. So one to two years actually sounds pretty reasonable to me. If anything, that could be uh, short. I'd like to see one to two years. That'd be nice. I don't want to be in, <laughs> I don't want to be COVID quarantining anymore, but you know, it's good that they have the foresight. Now, Ezra then moves away from Canada and also, again, continuing down this line of there's some sort of globalist plot to like enslave the human race over COVID. He wants to talk about Australia. And the first thing he focuses on is this idea in Australia called no jab, no pay. And Ezra Hyper focuses on it and he's like, oh my God, they're going to withhold pay from people because of vaccines and all this stuff. What No Jab, No Pay is, is a program that was implemented in Australia back in 2015. So it's not even COVID related. And it was a way of encouraging people to get, say, measles vaccines or other helpful vaccines way before COVID. Because the reason is, like, you had a lot of anti-vax uh, material that was spreading in Australia at the time. And so it was a way of uh, trying to get people to get vaccinated. And the, the no pay part, right? So it's No Jab, No Pay. The no pay part is not like withholding paychecks or something like this. It was so certain families, we have this in Canada as well. We get like a child tax benefit if you have children. And so the no jab, no pay was withholding those tax benefits from parents who do not vaccinate their children. Ezra then compares this to a kind of social credit system in China. So it's a way of like monitoring people. But here's all it does is basically I talked to Tim, who uh, patron of the show. He's been on for some of our shakedown episodes. Tim also has a child, is Australian, so knows these things, right? The way he explained it is that when you get vaccinated, the your uh, general practitioner would upload that information into a computer that then sends that information to the government such that when you file your taxes, it's on record that you got your vaccine or not, right? And therefore, whether they give you the child benefit. Now, is that like an extreme invasion of privacy that the government somehow knows you got vaccinated? I don't think it is. I think it's good for public health. But of course, they're going to have any any time the government is keeping any information on you, that must mean it's because they're going to implement some sort of authoritarian Chinese-style social credit system, which again is ridiculous. And then he wants to uh, showcase the fact that Abby Yemeni has been arrested at some of these Australian protests and he, Ezra says that Avi Yemeni fights like hell, which I think is a terrible thing to say about someone who is uh, convicted for beating their wife. And uh, yeah, so Avi is a piece of shit. I'm not going to talk anymore about that. But that's how he ends the show. Look at we got this reporter in Australia who keeps getting arrested. And you know what? Fuck Avi Yemeni. I think that's a pretty uh, straightforward thing to say. Ezra is on Alex's show as a selling opportunity. I think that's primarily the one reason he went on the show to pitch his book. And uh, 
And it's like weird that he's pitching this book because he doesn't stand by it anymore. And he's on a platform that not only had an anti-Semitic moment when he was on the show, but continues to promote white nationalism. I'm not going to have a proactive segment this week, except to say, uh, continue to stay safe during the COVID. Thanksgiving just happened in the States. You're probably going to get an even uh, steeper increase in the numbers than even before what was happening. It's uh, terrible. People are going to die. And uh, the American government isn't doing anything about it. And our government isn't doing anything about it either. So stay safe, everyone. Keep uh, trying to distance yourself and wear a mask and stay safe, please. I love all of you and I want you all to live. If you enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up and uh, we will be doing Twitch streams every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find all the links on our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at stryadam.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, when we are locked up forever in COVID camps, friendships will not be allowed, comrade. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.